0: This is the Locked on Reds podcast. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jackie with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr bringing you the Reds every day. Happy Throwback Thursday, Reds fans. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to today's show. For the first half here, I got a nice little fun kind of throwback idea for you that we'll take a look at and then in the second half we'll recap a great day for Nixon Zell in center field but before we get to all of that make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher and also check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three F's and look us up at LockdownReds.com where there's all sorts of great content on the website. So for throwback Thursday today going to do something a little bit different. You know, I've been doing players and a couple managers here and there and maybe even looking at a couple of different historic teams that did some things, but today I want to look at great names. Just, you know, you know, mostly Sort of funny sounding names, but great names of players who once donned a Reds jersey. Now, they don't necessarily have to have had a huge impact. In fact, I've got one guy on here who a cup of coffee would be too long of a way to describe how long he was with the Reds. But I I still think that it's it's kind of a funny thing. The first name that I have written down, he's a pitcher. Back in 1905, he had 39 starts for the Reds. He had 32 complete games. He had an 18-23 and 23 record with a 2.86 ERA. That's right. You have a 2.86 ERA, and you have a losing record. That's what. That's how different the game was back then. It was just so much more about defense and pitching, and the hitting wasn't a forefront. You know, guys didn't hit a ton of homers. But anyway, that's getting out of you know, character here with this theme. The point is, this guy pitched for the Reds in 1905. His name, Orville Overall. Yeah, Orville Redenbacher and, you know, your Gene Overalls. Stuff like that. That's the guy's name. Great name there. Another guy pitched for the Reds back in 1913. It's, you know, they don't make names like they used to. What, you know, whatevs. It was a while ago, over a hundred years, and this guy he pitched in 1913, 11 and 12 overall record with a 2.91 ERA. It's Mordecai Three Finger Brown. Yeah, he actually went by Three Finger Brown. He he only had three fingers on one hand, and that was the hand he used to throw with. And the funny part was you know, it, it, it happened. This isn't funny. The reason that the fingers, you know, he only had three fingers is he lost part of two fingers on his right hand due to an accident with some farming equipment whenever he was a kid, but he learned how to grip a baseball with his right hand. And it turned into a nasty curveball that he made a major league career out of. So, it's kind of one of those things where you're just like, oh, well, you know, how much of a negative really is it if you turn that? But, you know, Mordecai, three-finger, Brown. Then another one, uh, This this was the guy I kind of teased at the beginning. He pitched a grand total of three innings for the Reds in 1910, but he's got one of the best names on this list that I've created. His name, Mysterious Walker. Yeah, that's not a nickname. That's actually his first name is Mysterious. You know, I can only imagine all the jokes that he must have had in his life and all that good stuff. But Mysterious Walker pitched three innings back in 1910. Then another one, you actually might remember this name. I do remember this name, but only because I'm weird like that. Back in 2006, the Reds had a bench outfielder. He played all three outfield positions. Mostly a defensive replacement, as he only got 53 at-bats in 2006. He did have a homer, and he had 11 hits. That's Quentin McCracken. That was a great name. I, I always remember that. That's one of those that you just, it sticks with you as a kid because it's such a different name. And this guy, the next name on our list, he's actually in the Reds minor league organization right now. He was drafted in 2017. I'm talking about Cash Case. First name Cash, last name Case. Brilliant. Then, of course, there's Wally Post, a very famous former red back in the 50s. In fact, in 1955, he had over five, you know, wins above replacement. I think it was 5.3 wins above replacement. And it is a crying shame. And, and I read an article It's from a few years back about different cool names in Reds history. And uh, it was talking about Wally Post. It was on redreporter.com. It was talking about Wally Post. And it's a crying shame. He said that the Reds, whenever they talk about their history – they really need to get better with the pre-Big Red Machine days because think about it. This is the most obvious thing there is, the most obvious missed opportunity. Wally Post needs to be the name of one of the foul poles or just Wally's Post. Like, can you imagine Marty saying, oh, and Joey Votto clangs a ball off of Wally's Post in left field? That's awesome. I mean, and then you can be like, oh, hey, it's talking about a guy from the 1950s. Anyway, that was just a thought that – I I thought that was great. Then, of course, Ted Klazewski. I love Ted Big Clue's name. You know, that was his nickname was Big Clue, but Ted Klazewski is a great last name. Of course, he hit 251 homers as a red. Great former red that – yeah, maybe one day we'll actually get a little bit of a closer look into. And then a couple of names, you know, just you know, real quick before the break here. I always think of late nineties, early two thousands reds when I think of these three names, but Pokey Reese, Gookie Dawkins, and D.T. Cromer. Now, Pokey obviously had the biggest impact of those three guys. D.T. Cromer, uh I just remember that name because it was so crazy. Really only, you know, I think he was a utility guy at best. But anyway, that was just our nice little throwback Thursday here for the first half of today's episode. But when we come back from out of the break, we're going to talk about Nick Senzel and his successful spring training game in center field. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. You're in the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Throwback Thursday. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. Tomorrow, for Phone In, in Friday, I welcome back Chad Dotson onto the show. Have a great conversation for you guys with Chad. I think that I really enjoy talking with him about Reds baseball. We get into... Some topics like Jose Peraza, Nixon Zell, and just the whole idea of manipulating the service time and all of that good stuff. And then also talk a little philosophically about the save statistics. So, yeah, I know that just sounds real riveting. But uh, I really enjoy talking to Chad and I think it's going to be fun for you to listen to as well. So get excited about that. As I mentioned earlier on, yesterday Nixon Zell played his second game in center field for the Reds. And, you know, in his first game, there really was nothing to speak of defensively as far as really a chance for him to show his quality. In fact, he didn't really even get that much, you know, get that many balls hit to him in his first appearance. But in this second one, I don't know if you've seen the video here, when they played the White Sox today, they, you know, the Reds won 11-4, to Sinzel started in center field. He actually batted seventh in the lineup, a little bit further down this way. As far as the bat goes, he was three for three. He had an RBI and a run scored. He had a pretty good day in that regard. But also defensively, there was a play in which a long fly ball was hit. It was basically right center field. It was right on the edge of where you would consider center field and then right center field. And Nixon Zell was lined up straight away center, so he had to get on his horse and track the ball all the way back. In fact, he had to go up against the wall. He bumped into the wall after ranging all the way over, and he was able to make the catch on the warning track there, and just it was a phenomenal catch, and as the Reds Twitter account had shared, he said, looks like he's been doing this all his life. I, you know, Hard to overreact to just one play there in a spring training game against the White Sox, but I really have a good feeling about Nixon, Zell, in center field. And I really think, you know, maybe just a little bit of a preview of the conversation with Chad Dotson today, or uh, on Friday, he's got to be on the opening day roster. I know there's some of you out there that understand the whole manipulating service time and this and that, but... Man, when it comes to the Reds, this offseason has been phenomenal in that they have retooled in just one offseason. They brought in pitchers, they brought in hitters. They are a better team far and away going into this year than they were going into last year. Now, that's not to say that they're all in, right? If they were all in, they would have made some trades of like, you know, trading their big prospects for. Maybe uh, Corey Kluber or something like that. And that's okay that they didn't do that. I'm not saying that they should have done that. But what they have shown is that they want to contend. They want to be a part of the conversation in 2019. Do you know how you do that from day one? Senzel is on your roster. You don't wait till April 12th. You don't give him two weeks in AAA so that you can push back his service time. You know what? I'm I'm here for 2019. When we're talking about 2025, which is what we're talking about when you say manipulating service time with Nick Senzel, honestly, right now, that's not that big a deal to me. I'm worried about what the Reds are going to do in 2019. And with as close as everyone is predicting this division to be, you cannot say that for two weeks we're going to have one of our best players not on the team. Just big picture, level with me here, Nick Senzel has to be on the opening day roster. And even if he's not going to pan out in center field, he needs to be a super utility guy. We need to be getting him at bats any way we can, not having him to use an old Dusty Baker term, marinate, down in AAA for two weeks, and you're not even going mean, to – that's basically telling him, look, we care more about how much money we're going to pay you in 2025 than what you can do for us as a team right now. And if I'm Nixon Zell, that would make me angry. Like, I would look at that and I'd say the Reds don't care about me as a player. You know, and in fact uh, – as I was kind of talking with Chad Dotson, Chris Bryant still to this day holds a grudge with the way that the Cubs manipulated his service time because he was ready a few years back on opening day to come up. But they said, no, 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 you're going to wait in A. We're going to bring you up when that Super 2 status has hit. I think it would go a long way with all of this climate talking about how the team owners and the players' union, there's this divide between them and how we are heading to this inevitable strike and all of these labor tensions and all this stuff. I think it would go a long way if the Reds step out, if the Reds' front office steps out and says, look, Nick, we want you on the opening day roster. That, that just speaks volumes to the players' about how the team feels about them. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, we're not talking about robots here. We're talking about human beings. They just happen to play baseball and make millions of dollars doing it. But we're talking about human beings that have the same feelings as you and me. I mean, think of this. If you're at your job, whatever your job is, and your employer says, look, we have this way to manipulate not paying you more than we think you're worth because we can hold you back how are you gonna feel about that that's essentially what every baseball team is saying with this whole super two thing and i get it you want to cut costs and do all this stuff but when it comes to the reds payroll and all this other stuff they've been talking about you know we want to have the record high payroll for 2019 and money, and this, and that, and blah, 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 and I know it's easy to spend people's money, of which is not yours, but when it comes to baseball money, who cares, right, if we're in a situation in 2025, where Nixon Zell needs to be signed to a contract, where he makes 25 million dollars, do you know what that means he did between 2019 and 2024, means he was pretty good, right, At That's a great problem to have. Put them on the opening day roster. I'm probably going to say that a couple of more times before opening day, and especially if it doesn't happen on opening day. But anyway, there's my rant. That was what's on my mind. (laughs) Had to get that out off my chest. So anyway, that's Thursday's episode. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast on this Throwback Thursday. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Tomorrow, like I said, we'll have Jad Dotson on the show for Phone It In Friday. Until then, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check us out at LockdownReds.com and follow us on Twitter at LockdownReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Make sure you download and listen to that one.